Welcome to the Canned Heat Podcast. Hello, ladies and gentlemen of the Milky Way Galaxy. As you heard on the intro there, this is the Canned Heat Podcast. Now, I am your host, the freshly squeezed Orange Zachary, and this is officially episode number one. Yay, Q Fanfare. Now, the data is in, ladies and gentlemen. After only episode zero, the word is out that I have the number one podcast in the Andromeda Galaxy. That's crazy, but I'm not stopping there. No, 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 no. You may think, Zach, that sounds great. Number one podcast in an entire galaxy, but I've got my sight set on the Milky Way, just like I said in the beginning. So make sure you smash that follow button on Spotify or wherever you're listening to podcasts so you don't miss out on any great content that I'll be bringing to you every single week. Got Instagram, you can follow me there, at Canned Heat Podcast. Twitter, you can follow me at Canned Heat Pod. I guess someone already took Canned Heat Podcast. That's a little strange. Um, and you can also call and leave me a voicemail on the Canned Heat Podcast line at 513-580-7273. I've got a lot of great stuff in store for you guys for episode one. I'm happy to announce that I have an interview with Mother Endless that I will play later on in this episode. I got to spend a wonderful 15 to 20 minutes talking about things with her, and I I'm going to give you the full unedited interview so you can hear that in its entirety later on in this episode. I'm very excited about that. I'm also going to give you the rundown of this week in pro wrestling. And just to be clear, this week's going to be a little bit different because I'm dropping this episode on a Friday, recording on Wednesday evening prior to Dynamite airing. So I will not have this week's Dynamite in, unfortunately. I will go ahead and do last week's Dynamite. Uh, But moving forward again, I'm going to be releasing on Monday, so I'll be able to give you a proper rundown. You can expect Monday Night Raw, Impact on Tuesday, Wednesday, Dynamite and NXT and Friday SmackDown. I'm not going to dig deep into it. I'm not going to review them. There's plenty of great review podcasts out there. Got to give a shout out to a 100% Elite Podcast with my main man, Jeff Engler. You can find him wherever you listen to podcasts. He's a great guy and gives a great review show. And there's other great reviewers out there as well. So that's not what we're going to do here on the Canned Heat Podcast. We're going to keep the conversation going. Also, later on, I'm going to be bringing to you some voicemails that you guys left. I'm really, really happy to see that that telephone line is being put to use so far. I've got some fun feedback. I've got some interesting feedback that we'll get to later, and I think that you're not going to want to miss it. I think uh, someone definitely got their panties in a bunch and left a voicemail, so I'll be sharing that with you guys later. And I'm also going to give you my opinion and some hot takes about things. So without further ado, let's go ahead and get into this week. All right, guys, after a stunning... Stunning appearance from Kenny Omega on Impact Wrestling on December 8th. We moved to Dynamite on December 9th. The Young Bucks defeated the Hybrid 2. FTR defeating the Varsity Blondes. Dustin Rhodes defeating Preston Vance, a.k.a. number 10. The Butcher, the Blade, and Eddie Kingston defeating the Lucha Bros and Lance Archer. Of course, if you watch that match, um, Penta was not uh, in that match as he was taken out prior to the match. Abaddon defeating Tesha Price. And in our main event of the evening, MJF defeating Orange Cassidy to retain the Dynamite Diamond Ring. Um, This was a fairly average show of Dynamite at best. Um, It definitely had a lot of storyline progression. But coming off 
of winter is coming a couple weeks ago. Obviously, you know, the world is still a buzz about everything going on with that. Um, again, I mentioned Kenny Omega showing up on Impact on Tuesday to assert his dominance over pro wrestling. Um, it's a really, really interesting storyline and one that immediately when I saw that happening, I texted a few friends and I said, look, this is just going to be the vehicle for the Bullet Club to get back together with Anderson and Gallows over there. Um, we all know uh, now on Wednesday that that is indeed the case. We have a match announced for final resolution where we're going to have the Bullet Club back in action together again after many long years. Obviously, we saw that the incarnation of the quote-unquote club or the OC or whatever you want to call them in WWE with the Good Brothers and AJ Styles. Uh, But that just never clicked. You know, the WWE audience is not really one that's checked in or tuned in with the goings-on uh, in wrestling outside of WWE. So the Bullet Club is not very relevant, I'd say. You see some Bullet Club shirts in the audience, and I know I'm going to have people call up or tweet at me. So, you know, we like WWE and we know Bullet Club. I'm not saying that there's not anybody, but certainly not as important or not in the lexicon, if you will, of many WWE fans. So a nice start to uh, the week with Dynamite. Being that Dynamite is on Wednesday, as always, we had WWE NXT also on Wednesday on December 9th. Uh, To start it all off, we had Finn Balor cutting a promo on who his next opponent's going to be. A lot of people step up to the plate, but no matter to him, it doesn't matter. It's not his job to find out, or it's not his job to choose, rather. He's going to beat whoever's in front of him, and we now know that he will be defending the title on January 6th at the next NXT special. Uh, Killian Dane does attack Pete Dunne during an interview, so they're going to fight later on in the night. Uh, to start the action off, Jake Atlas pins Swerve. The Grizzled Young Veterans defeat Everrise and Imperium, which actually surprised me. I thought Imperium was going to take that match. Um, you have a nice little Tony Storm interview about War Games, saying she's gunning for the NXT Women's Championship. Uh, Io Shirai is a badass champion, so I can't wait for that match. I love Tony Storm, too. Tommaso Ciampa defeats Cameron Grimes. Don't even get me started on Cameron Grimes. I don't get this guy. He just doesn't do it for me. I speak... Uh, I'm sorry, I don't wish any ill will on anybody, but uh, Cameron Grimes just doesn't do it for me, so I, I don't. I just kind of don't get him. Um, Johnny Gargano and Candice LeRae come out, and they cut an awesome promo about War Games, and they actually introduce that they have a faction that's now called The, the Way. So a really interesting uh, name, but uh, we'll see what comes out of them. Damian Priest comes out looking for a fight. Karrion Cross ends up attacking him, which is really great because the last time we saw Karrion Cross before his injury, he was hoisting up that NXT title that he had just taken off of Keith Lee. So we know that Karrion Cross has got some talent. That dude's really impressive in the ring, so I'm really happy to see him back. Uh, Pete Dunne defeats Killian Dane. That match, of course, was set up by that attack earlier. I love Pete Dunne. That bruiserweight's one of my favorite guys. Um, there's a little uh, promo with Leon Ruff. Ask about his uh, next match with Damian Priest, or I'm sorry, that asks about the match where he's teaming with Damian Priest against Gargano and Theory. Um, so that's a fun little promo. And then at the end, the main event, Raquel Gonzalez defeating Ember Moon by pinfall. That's another head scratcher. They bring Ember Moon back, and she has not really made much noise since she's been back. But uh, that wraps up NXT for the week. From there, we move into the December 11th edition of WWE SmackDown on Friday night. Sasha Banks and Carmella were supposed to open the show with a TLC women's title match contract signing. Carmella ends up stealing the contract, which enrages Sasha Banks, who in turn challenges her to a title match later on in the night, which 
it's always dumb that WWE does this. We'll get into that uh, maybe at some time this episode or another episode. Uh, but that just seems pointless. Uh, Dolph Ziggler pinning Montez Ford. Sami Zayn beating Big E by uh, countout. Riot Squad defeating Billy Kay and Natalia. We'll get into Billy Kay later in this episode as well. Um, Cesaro and Shinsuke Nakamura defeating Otis and Chad Gable. Um, we'll get into Otis later too. Um, and then, of course, the aforementioned SmackDown Women's Championship match. Carmella does actually beat Sasha Banks by DQ when Sasha Banks will not acquiesce to the referee's five count and DQs her. So thus... Uh, retaining the women's title as expected before their TLC match. Uh, Carmella shattering a bottle of champagne over Sasha is a great little touch after this match. Um, I don't think anybody really thinks that Carmella has a chance here, uh, but this really kind of helps push her. Of course, we didn't have wrestling, but uh, Kevin Owens and Roman Reigns furthering their feud with Jay Uso at the center of that. Um, we, of course, talk about Sami Zayn's uh, t-shirt design. Etc. Etc. So there's a lot of fun moments in here, uh, but the in-ring action is just really, really lacking. I mean, taking a look at this match card and and, and recalling the show, Cesaro and Shinsuke Nakamura were the only thing really worth watching on this week's SmackDown. After a long wrestling layoff over the weekend, which we always all get sad about, we pick it up with Monday Night Raw from December the 14th. We kick off the show with The Miz, John Morrison, and AJ Styles. Uh, and his bodyguard reading the nightmare before TLC. This was a very, very cringeworthy segment. Um, Monday Night Raw has been, in my opinion, one of the worst wrestling shows on TV for a while now, unfortunately. And they've got a lot of talent on there. So from there, on the match side, we move into AJ Styles beating Sheamus. This one actually was a really good match. So I know I just said that Raw has been my least favorite uh, for a while now, but I got to give props to this match. AJ Styles and Sheamus put on a nice little match here. Um, Bobby Lashley pouring milk all over a stagehand who was eating one of Matt Riddle's bro nuts and wearing one of Matt Riddle's hats. I thought this was kind of dumb. You know, why is a big hulking uh, muscle bound dude pouring milk on somebody because they're upset? It's, you know, it just seems a little weird. Uh, the Hurt Business defeats Jeff Hardy in the New Day. Of course, the New Day being Kobe Kingston and Xavier Woods as Hardy tapped to the Hurt Lock. Again, why is he making a wrestler tap to an awesome submission maneuver when he just essentially poured milk on a stagehand? It's like, you know, you either be a badass or don't. Don't be a badass half the time and a little, you know, a, uh, whatever. Just be a badass the whole time. Uh, Lana defeats Nia Jackson, the most unbelievable pinfall ever. Um, after that, Jackson, Shayna Baszler attack Lana and Asuka. Of course, they're going after Lana's leg uh, to further that storyline. Elias and Jackson Riker cut a little promo. I guess Jackson Riker is Elias's bodyguard. As he says, Elias's truth is the music. I don't like this storyline for a lot of reasons. I, I hate I hate the Forgotten Sons. I was never into them. I'm sure they're all fine people. You know, they they have some talent in the ring, but I just I did not like their gimmick. I don't like Jackson Riker. Um, I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna make any secrets about that. I think uh, all the trouble that he got into was of his own doing. Um, you just you know when you have this kind of platform, you just really got to be careful with what you say. I think you have a social responsibility when you have that platform to make sure that you're doing the right thing. You know, and, and love is love and people are people. I'm not going to get into that right now. Um, Keith Lee tosses a coin for the Miz and, and Morrison, said that they both won. So we're going to have a two on one handicap match uh, and which uh, subsequently followed with the Miz and Morrison defeating Keith Lee. 
that's another thing that we're going to get into later. I don't like the way they're utilizing Keith Lee. Um, Randy Orton challenges Bray Wyatt to a game of hide and seek after Bray Wyatt cuts a promo in the ring. Bray Wyatt, and th- actually this storyline is one of the best things that they have going right now for them. I hated the Randy Orton, Drew McIntyre storyline and that stupid flip-flop, hot potato of the belt, just like completely delegitimizes the championship. So uh, although we have seen this storyline before with Randy Orton as the quote-unquote part of the Wyatt family, that doesn't exist anymore, but they're sure utilizing their history to further this storyline, which I'm a really big fan of. I think Bray Wyatt's one of the best things going in professional wrestling right now. I love the whole like schizophrenia, multiple personality things that he's got going on um, with a little bit of Stockholm syndrome that everybody seems to have with the fiend. I love the fiend. So uh, this was a really, really interesting uh, promo, really cool thing. I'm just going to jump to the end because they, you know, th- this goes for a little bit. And in the end, they're doing this hide and seek where Bray Wyatt gets into a crate that Randy Orton sets on fire. Um, and in the end, the fiend pops out of the flaming crate and puts the mandible claw on Randy Orton. It was a great, great piece of uh, backstage work by the two of them. They're really making this uh, making this storyline work. It's really sad that the storylines around them are not very strong right now. Mace defeats Ricochet. After that, Lana is unable to compete at TLC, we find out. So Asuka's going to need a new tag partner. Uh, we don't know who that is going to be yet. Uh, but I assume it's going to be either Mandy Rose or Dana Brooke. I don't believe as of now they've announced that. Um, Matt Riddle beats MVP. It was a really short match. The WWE Championship Ascension Ceremony promo with AJ Styles and Drew McIntyre was also super freaking awkward. A terrible way to end the show. I mean, come on, guys. Like, talk about not being excited about your number one storyline on any given show. I mean, look at AEW. Look at NXT. So AEW is doing it right. Their champions showing up on Dynamite, their champion showing up on Impact. They're cross-promoting. It's awesome. Everybody wins. Finn Balor starts off the show. Pretty much says, I don't give a crap who I'm fighting. I'm going to beat whoever. It doesn't matter. All y'all can step up at the same time. On this one, you just have this babyface Drew McIntyre, which worked for a little bit. It just does not work now. I'm just, uh, he's about to get the Roman Reigns treatment. I guarantee that if we weren't doing this Thunderdome, if we were doing live in-person audiences that Drew McIntyre would be getting the same heat that Roman Reigns did. And that's that's heat that you don't need to can. That's the audience telling you, look, we reject what you're trying to tell us. I mean, AJ Styles is the far superior wrestler in this, uh, in this feud. He's also the far superior promo worker. He's also far superior uh, as far as popularity is concerned uh, with the wrestling community. So, you know, I assume he's going to lose this match. I hope I'm wrong. I hope AJ Styles becomes a champion. I love heel champions. That's why this podcast is called Canned Heat, because heel is the new face in wrestling. But that wraps up Monday Night Raw. Again, it was an abysmal ending. It was quite an interesting week in wrestling, actually, as you can see. Now, you might think I left out Sting speaking at Dynamite. I did not. I did want to discuss it after going over the review because now I want to give you guys my opinions. And if there's one thing I'm chock full of, not only is it shit, it's opinions. Sting, I just don't get it. I don't get why he's here. 
I well, let me rephrase that. I get that he's here for the nostalgia factor. I get that he's here for a ratings boost. I get that he's here as a veteran that's going to be good for the development of young characters and young wrestlers. But he's not going to help anybody on the wrestling front. I mean, let's face it. The guy is 61 years old now. He's a shell of his former self in the ring. I followed his comeback in WWE. That was absolutely abysmal. He had no no reason to be in that ring, especially with someone as dangerous as Seth Rollins which I've talked about many times on the 100% Elite podcast, but I just don't get this Sting thing. I think a lot of people really, really are obsessed with this. They do the whole Tony Schiavone, it's Sting! And, like, that's cool, like, that's nostalgic, but realistically, like, it doesn't do anything for me. I don't get why we're bringing back these veterans the same way that WWE brings back Bill Goldberg to neuter the Fiend. When they had built... One of the most organic monsters that have ever happened. So I was really hopeful that AEW wouldn't fall into this trap. And, you know, I've got no reason to distrust them thus far. They've really found a good way to utilize their veterans. I'm sorry, the uh, uh, um, the Hall of Fame superstars. But that's the thing is all those superstars, like your Arn Andersons, your Tully Blanchards, um, your Jake the Snake Roberts, they're in a managerial role. After hearing Sting, Sting speak, I don't think we really know what his role is going to be. There's a lot of reports right now that he signed a three-year contract and that he is going to be wrestling at some point. And that is something that I, for one, am not excited to see. I'm just going to be worried about the man the entire time, that he's going to break a hip, that he's going to break his back, that he's going to hurt his neck again. I mean, Jesus, we, we've had to endure, you know, a handful of, like, gruesome injuries over the years, and it's like... Why is this even happening? It, the juice just doesn't seem worth the squeeze because we're not going to get a Meltzer five-star match out of him by any means. It doesn't matter who you pair him with. You could pair him with the best bout machine. You can pair him with Pac. You could pair him with Darby Allen. You could pair him with Cody or pair him with Cody Rhodes. You pair him with just about anybody. I still don't think they're ever going to produce a five-star or an A, maybe a B match, but it's just not there anymore. So with that said, unless he's going to be a full-time manager or I know Jeff over on 100% Elite Podcast talks about him being the leader of a new faction that's like Raven-esque or CM Punk-esque back in the day. But I just don't see that. I don't see people following Sting. There's no reason to follow Sting. It just seems like it's only there for the quick nostalgia pop. And uh, that's just a cheap pop in my opinion. It was cool. The snow was cool on the intro. But other than that, I you know, it just doesn't do it for me. So it'll be really interesting to see where they go from here. The next thing I want to talk to you guys about is sharing microphones during COVID. And I'm looking at you, AEW, because you seem to be the biggest offender of this right now. And I'm a huge AEW fan. This does not change my fandom. But, you know, I don't only watch wrestling. I'm a big fan of the show The Voice. With all those singers in any given night, they seem to manage to give everybody their own microphone. That's a lot of microphones when you have 20 or so singers a night. And it just seems to me that it's a simple thing to just make sure each performer has their own microphone. Okay, I know the argument is going to be, okay, well, people get tested when they come to work, et cetera, et cetera. Well, again, I'll, I'll reference back to that show, The Voice. You know, all those competitors are in a quote-unquote bubble, just like the you know athletes have been during you know the NFL season, the NBA season, MLB, et cetera, et cetera. And they've been tested, but they still give everybody their own microphone. 
I just think optically speaking, you're doing a lot more damage, AEW, when you're the big proponent of everybody and the audience wearing masks and adhering to social distancing protocols within the state's regulations. I just think that you can be doing more to make sure that the optics of your program remain on par with the message that you're giving out as well. So, you know what? We're in the throes of a pandemic. Stop sharing microphones for the love of God. It's just not necessary. Something else that's really been grinding my gears lately is, and this is mainly a WWE problem, they seem to break up tag teams only to have one, if not both members of the aforementioned broken up tag team become a part of a new tag team. Uh, We've seen this several times uh, very recently. I want to talk first about the Iconics in WWE. They break up Peyton and Billy only to have each of them with different tag team partners on their separate shows. Okay, so they go through this whole storyline of them breaking up, you know, still remaining best friends, la da 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 da. We're going to go our own ways. You know, one ends up on SmackDown, one ends up on Raw, and they're wrestling with tag team partners on their new respective shows. It's like, why are we breaking these tag teams up? We've seen many times throughout the history of wrestling one member of a tag team or a group or a faction that is a singles champion while the others are there to support. I mean, think about Kofi Kingston when he won the title with New Day. You know, they were still there to support him. They still wrestled as a team, but he was still a champion. So if the ideal is to get behind one of the performers of the tag team that you've just broken up, you can still do that while keeping them a tag team. Say WWE has aspirations to make Peyton Royce the women's champion at some point, which it kind of seems like they're trending towards. Um, They could have done that when she's still part of the Iconics. They were probably the most over women's tag team natural tag team that there is. I mean, other than that, we just have awkward pairings of, you know, Shayna and Nia, who are the champions right now, uh, Sasha and Bailey, which obviously they were big friends, you know, but still two singles competitors that came together for a team. Um, Kyrie and o- Kyrie Sane and Asuka, who, you know, a lot, as a lot of people know, seemed like they were only together because they were both Japanese, which I think is a bad reason to put anybody together. That's uh, still a little xenophobic in my opinion. Um, but that's nor here nor there. And on top of that, the, the next one was is uh, Heavy Machinery. You know, they break up Otis and Tucker just to have Otis tag teaming, you know, later. You know, it seems like they kind of were going to give him a push. They stopped giving him a push. And that's another thing, you know, and I don't want to get too far off topic here. But what's up with the pushes and then all of a sudden just cold? And we see this time and time again. Take a look at a guy like Keith Lee comes in huge pop at the rumble this year you know is in the frame with Brock Lesnar and now an iconic iconic scene from this year's Royal Rumble even though everything's been kind of weird for wrestling this year and certainly AEW has had the more iconic year overall but it was just such a cool moment for Keith Lee he put himself on the map he did great things in NXT he has had an organic build the crowd really loved him and got behind him And he's another example of a guy that comes up to the main roster, gets a huge push in the first week, month, you know, six weeks or whatever it is, only for Vince or whomever's calling the shots to go cold on him. And I don't get it. You know, we have have a disinteresting vanilla champion in Drew McIntyre right now who, weirdly enough, played hot potato with the title with Randy Orton for no, uh, you know, no reason that I can comprehend. It's just... 
why do we have these guys with so much potential that we're just really not even utilizing? You've seen many guys jump ship to from WWE to AEW, namely your Luke Harpers who become Brody Lee, your John or I'm sorry, your Dean Ambroses who become John Moxley. The list goes on. You know, these guys that, you know, were not treated well in WWE are now seeing that there's greener pastures. And I think if WWE doesn't get their shit together, man, they're really, really gonna kind of start seeing mass exoduses of guys like your Keith Lee's, like your Alistair Black's, like your Andrade's, like your Cesaro's, like your Shinsuke Nakamura's, these guys that are just phenomenally talented and just not getting the opportunity to shine. So I hope for those guys' sake, they can find more airtime or find more significant storylines, albeit in WWE, AEW, Impact is now putting on an awesome awesome, uh, roster and an awesome show on a weekly basis. Ring of Honor, MLW, NJPW, just the options are endless. So the way that we consume wrestling these days is a lot different than we consumed it even a decade ago. So I hope these guys can get out and, uh, you know, get back to doing what they love because they seem to have, you know, really lost a little bit of that. And it's really sad to see because all those guys I mentioned, you know, and there's countless men and women that I haven't mentioned, but that just deserve that story time, that deserve that screen time. So I'd like to see something different from WWE. Let's get some cohesion in your storylines. Let's stop breaking up tag teams to just have those members tag with other people. Let's stop with these start-stop pushes. It's like get behind somebody and just get behind them. We don't we don't need this flip-flop. I mean, we're not we're not idiots here. We know that you guys are seriously scrambling at the last second. And honestly, that's why you're seeing a lot of people flock to AEW. The last quick opinion I want to give to you guys is one that's been discussed ad nauseum, you know, over the past few months. And that is the rights to the likeness of the performers. You know, we're all familiar with the Twitch and the other services that WWE is forcing their superstars or has forced their superstars to shut down, especially during the throes of a pandemic. I can't think of anything more petty. Um, I'm not sure what the contract language reads in their contract. I assume with the mass exodus of the Twitch that the contract language is such that it's really kind of ironclad, but I just think it's bullshit. I just can't see a scenario in which somebody's trying to hold uh, you know, somebody else down. I understand the whole, you know, we own the rights to the name, blah, 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 blah. But take a take a look at a wrestler like Paige, you know, who's been around in the business for a long time, uh, goes by her her real name, Soraya, Soraya, excuse me if I'm pronouncing that incorrectly. And you know, she's not even using her, her you know, wrestling name on her streaming, on her Twitch. So I just don't understand. The whole likeness thing really bothers me. The concept of somebody owning the image of my face or my body or me, I'm heavily tattooed individual, owns the images of all the tattoos when they had nothing to do with the decisions or the artists that had anything to do with that or anything like that. It's just it's just mind-blowing to me that we live in a society in which anybody feels entitled to owning somebody else's likeness at all. I, I think if you want to own a character name, more power to you if you want to own the rights to a move set, the rights to a moniker, a phrase, whatever the case may be, I get it. Let's leave the likenesses alone, guys. Let's get back to the days where I can own my own face, I own the rights to my own face and body, and all the other humans in the world own the rights to their face and their body.
All right, ladies and gentlemen, I think the time has finally come. The moment you're all here for, the mother. It's time to play our interview with Mother Endless. I'd just like to remind you that we recorded this on a phone line, so give my producer, Lucy Fishwall, all credit for doing the best she could, getting the audio levels just right. Hopefully you guys enjoy the interview with Mother Endless. All righty, podcast listeners, as promised, we are here with a very special guest, the inaugural guest on episode one, Mother Endless. It's so good to finally hear from you. Greetings and salutations. (laughs) I know you're coming from the dark side right now. Um, Let's just get started a little bit. You know, I've wanted to talk to you for a while. I'm a huge fan of yours for for one really big reason. I'm a really big proponent of intergender wrestling. You do a lot of that. Um, Folks that are not familiar with your work, um, why don't you talk about that a little bit and talk about how you got into intergender wrestling and why you seem to prefer that. For me, there is no difference between the feminine and the masculine. I think that it is everyone's job to just explore both sexes, any sexes, all sexes. We are all in the ring to fight. We come in all different sizes, all different strengths. We all have different mental capabilities. And I enjoy the pleasure of not only fighting with men, but fighting with women and anything and everything in between. That's wonderful. I've certainly enjoyed it. And you bring up a really good point. You know, it's not just about the strength within the ring. There's there's plenty that goes into it. And as wrestling fans, like I myself am, are aware that one of the big things for matches is in-ring psychology. And another one of my favorite things about you is that you really seem to like to talk shit during your matches. And that's, <laughs> that's, that's me to a T. I like to talk shit to everybody as well. So uh, it's one of my favorite pastimes. So let's t- talk to me a little bit more about that. Is that, is that part of the psychological part of your, uh, you know, your, your game against your opponents? Absolutely. There is not just one part of the fight. There is not only just the physical part of the fight. The fight is an entire multi-sensory experience. The fight is mental. The fight is physical. The fight uses your taste, your touch, your smell. It uses everything. So getting inside your opponent's head is just one way that you can out-clever someone who may be bigger or stronger than you or may just make the fight a little bit easier, and sometimes it just makes it more amusing. (laughs) Hey, look, it's amusing for me, so whatever you got going on is definitely working. Uh, It's really interesting that you talk about a match being multisensory. Do you find that your senses after a match are all pretty overloaded? That, to me, is the mere point of getting into the ring, is to experience your senses, is to bring to the surface things that you may have not known of yourself, to push yourself to the extreme in every way possible. It is only in this that we can truly understand what it is to be alive. Absolutely. Absolutely. You, um, you have a lot of confidence in the ring. You, you really like to take the match by the reins. I, I, again, I really enjoy your work. Talk to me a little bit about that confidence. You know, in order to portray, to portray yourself as 
as the badass uh, mother endless that you are, you know, you must have an air of confidence about you. Um, where did that come from? Of course, you must train. You must train hard and you must train long. This is part of the way of the warrior. But it is in living every day as a warrior that gives you confidence not only in the ring, but in everything that you do. Well, you certainly are a warrior indeed. So I'd like to uh, dig into a couple of your matches, if that's okay with you. I just wanted to talk about um, your most recent match with Nevaeh on uh, We Want Wrestling Studios. It was a Falls Count Anywhere match. It was a great match. I, I loved watching it. Um, you know, the ending really didn't go how I was hoping it would go. But there were some really, really fun spots in that match with the big tire that you used. You guys had a lot of great uh, out, outside action that was really great, getting the car involved, getting the dumpster involved, et cetera. Talk to me a little bit about about that match, you know, kind of what was going through your head in that match. I know you you since um, talked about Nevaeh and pretty much are saying, look, this fight's not over. You know, we can still go some more. Yes, and it most certainly did not end in the way that I anticipated it to end either. I think that, you know, I may have let my confidence get a bit of the better of me. Nevaeh and I are no strangers in the ring. She and I have met several times before. And in this match, we were allowed to do whatever we wanted to do. Falls counted anywhere. I so enjoyed getting the chance to use the environment around us. Getting to use whatever was at our disposal so that we could truly feel not only bodies crashing inside the ring, but using any environment and anything around us in order to bring the chaos from our souls. And so it mattered to me not that I was placed into a dumpster, and it mattered to me not that she closed it upon my head. It only mattered to me that I was able to feel the anger coursing through me and the anger coursing through her until it raised into such a cacophony that the match could go on no longer. And you are right. Her and I will meet once more. Oh, I'm I'm very excited for that rematch. You definitely deserve it. Uh, you talk about, you know, the both of you just bringing bringing essentially the warriors out in each other and the best out in each other. Obviously, culminating with the mist as well. Like you must go into a deep, deep, deep place to be able to, you know, perform that. You know, that's a that's a crazy projectile and a and a, and a wonderful, wonderful attack. It absolutely is, and the. Secrets to my particular myths, I unfortunately do have to keep to myself. I, I understand. Maybe we can talk offline about that. But uh, let's move on into another another match. I think, dare I say, my favorite match uh, for you. So I'm going to do a little wordplay. I'm going to give you somebody's name, and you're going to give me the first thing that comes to mind. It doesn't have to be a one word. It can be a whole thought. DJ Hyde. <laughs> Victory. It was a glorious victory indeed. That match is wonderful. That's one of my favorite uh, intergender matches I've seen, especially from the independent scene, um, which is actually where you're getting the greatest intergender matches right now. You, you know, you see a lot of top flights kind of straying away from that for, for whatever reason, though. I know there's a, gl a gluttony of fans like myself that are 
you know, really pushing for that to become more mainstream. Um, again, as, as you said earlier, um, we are all but the same. You know, it doesn't matter. So we got to we got to get away from that old school mentality. Um, but let's talk about this match. You suplexed Mr. Hyde through two chairs. That was such an impressive feat. My gratitude for you for such a compliment. I do spend much of my time training, and despite what may appear to be a smaller frame, I am much stronger than I look. Add that to the training of a warrior, and to do something of that nature is certainly easier than you think it might be. Not only was I able to do that, but I was able to defeat DJ Hyde in that match, that match where I took so much abuse. I was put through a door. I was suplexed onto a chair. I was beaten with so many different objects. And yet I continued to get up because every piece of abuse was only serving my adrenaline more. And that led me to my victory. Yes, yes, it did. It was a great victory, like I said, indeed. You did take a lot of crazy, crazy, crazy uh, abuse in that match at the hands of DJ Hyde, as you pointed out. I want to ask you about one spot where, oh my gosh, you take one of the most vicious back chops I've heard or seen in a long time, and then he proceeds to stomp you into the turnbuckle, and, and, and you do the smart thing. You regroup outside. So I want to ask you two things. One, talk to me about that, about what that back chop felt like, and two, what you had to do outside the ring to regroup and come back stronger. The wind left me at the moment that that happened, and the handprint that was left behind reverberated in a bruise for weeks. But I took a moment, and I collected myself. I took a moment to appreciate what it was. As I was saying, everything that we do in the ring is to remind us that we are alive. So every chop I take, every time I am suplexed, every bit of abuse only serves to feed me more. I love it. I love it. So I want to move on. I want to do one more wordplay with you here. I think you responded very well to the DJ High wordplay. So again, I'm going to give you a word, uh, and I just want you to tell me what comes to mind. Valor. Valor, the word valor comes to mind. Few people appreciate what valor truly means. To be valiant, to live truly, to be true to one's self. And that is exactly what valor reflects. Valor is about respecting our craft. Valor is about having gratitude every time you step in the ring. Valor is about taking out those who do not respect what it is that we do, those that are there only for the fame and the glory. That's wonderful. Talk to me a little bit about how Valor came together because Right now, you as a group seem fairly unstoppable, uh, and I'm loving every minute of it. Valor came to be because we saw a need. 
Valor came to be because there was so much flagrant disrespect for professional wrestling. There were people that came in and just thought that they could do as they pleased. They thought they could wander in and grab titles. They thought that they could come in off the streets and disrespect our dojo. And so it was that we were brought together to enforce that respect. Uh, and I, I assume you guys will keep enforcing that, no less, right? Indeed, that is the plan. Endless, you've been wonderful. I, I certainly appreciate your time, and I know that the listeners are, are going to be very excited to hear from you. Um, I'm so gracious. I'd love to just give you a few minutes to talk about what you got going on. I know things during COVID, you know, that's a real thing, and we got to, you know, all deal with it in our different ways. So I'm sure it's changed things for you, um, obviously, a little bit in your profession. So, uh, you know, I'm not sure what you got going on right now, but go ahead and tell the audience about it. The plague has been darker and deeper than even I expected it to be. However, there are plans for the future, and truly, the training never, ever stops. You may be able to see me again in February in Atlantic City. Keep an eye on my Instagram Keep an eye on Mother Endless's YouTube. You will see the signs for when they are coming. Why don't you let the uh, folks know what those handles are on social media? You can look for Mother Endless on Instagram. You can look for Mother Endless on YouTube. And you can find Mother Endless at Echo Endless on Twitter. I appreciate that very much. And I did forget one question. Um, you go by a lot of nicknames. You know, Pro Wrestling's Darkest Hour, Psychosexual Nightmare. There's a handful of others. What's your favorite out of that group? Pro Wrestling's Darkest Hour. I am the absolute reflection of everything that is wrong with pro wrestling. Oh, that's so deep. That's so deep. Uh, I didn't know that I could love you anymore before I talked to you here, so uh, uh, I'm pretty thankful for that, and I know our audience is going to love you even more after hearing from you. So this was really fun. Uh, I, I'm so thankful and very appreciative that you gave us a few minutes here to talk to you and be the first guest on the Canned Heat podcast. Um, thank you so much, Mother Endless. Gratitude for your time as well. <laughs> How about that, ladies and gentlemen? That was Pro Wrestling's Darkest Hour, Mother Endless. It was an honor to get to talk to her the other day. Even though I only got about 20 minutes, I was super thankful that she took the time to come on. I know things have been a little weird during COVID, so I'm just, again, really thankful uh, that she could spare a few minutes to talk to us. That was a fun first interview. I look forward to bringing you guys plenty more interviews. If you're not familiar with Mother Endless, make sure you check out some of her matches. A lot of them are uploaded on YouTube. If you just search for Mother Endless Wrestling, or you can follow her on her social media, you can get to know her a little bit more through that. She gave you the handles in those interviews, so just make sure you check her out. She's doing some really cool things. Uh, I see big things for her in the future, so uh, hopefully we just continue to watch that star rise. You have one new message. Hi, this is 
Ken Kapisky. That's right, your boy K Piss. That's right, that's right, that's right. It's your boy K Piss. First of all, fuck you. This ridiculous new podcast you got rolling out of here, Can Heat. You don't need no Can Heat, son. You're going to get the booze no house. You ain't know what the fuck you're talking about. All this AEW fanboy bullshit. I heard it on 100% Elite. You know, Jeff was all right with it. But all you's doing is sitting there stroking and sucking, stroking and sucking. It's absolutely ridiculous. You know, when my day, when I was real heavy, real heavy into watching before it got all absolutely ridiculous with all these branch-off horseshit brands, you know, WWF, the original WWF, shit was so much better. You know, Attitude Era, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Now, what we got? We got fucking Snowman Sting walking out playing, pretending he's a mime. Fucking looking like somebody's grandpa coming out there trying to give you a silent stare down and intimidate you. That's real cute. Take off your own goddamn t-shirt, son. Ridiculous. Uh, you know, if y'all want to hear, and it's really, really, truly, and I mean this from the bottom of my heart, if y'all want to hear some real good Wrestling Entertainment. You follow me on social media. You get on them Twitters at OGK Piss. That's right, OGK Piss. Find me on them Twitters there. Got some stuff coming down real hot real soon. Well, damn there, K Piss, coming in all hot, man. Uh, look, Ken, I don't know who you are. I don't know what your beef is with me. But look, man, if you got something to say, you know where you can find me. You already left me a voicemail. You can find me on Twitter. I know you know I'm there at Canned Heat Pod. I guess I'm going to look for you. That's OGK Piss, I think you said. So uh, I'll uh, head on over there. Actually, I'm going to head on over there while I'm recording right now. See what's going on. Um, oh, there you are. Oh, no picture. That's classic. Nothing. One tweet. I'm going to start my own podcast with Blackjack and Hookers. Well, that's pretty great of you. You can't even come up with your own material. You're stealing lines from Futurama, that's great, although I do love that show, um, here's the deal, K-Piss, you seem to not like me, I don't really have a problem with that, you're still listening to the podcast, you're still calling in, you're still interacting, so as far as I'm concerned, that's a win for me, you can keep calling if you want, keep bitching, we do agree on one thing, we do agree about Sting, I said take your own damn t-shirt off, that's a little tacky, uh, I talked about Sting a little bit earlier in this episode, so we are in agreement there, unfortunately. I hate to agree with you. Uh, but on the whole, AEW is a far superior product to WWE, especially as proven throughout this whole year and the way that AEW has continued to operate throughout COVID, bringing us a, just a little slice of awesome wrestling. And by the little slice, I mean a huge slice of awesome wrestling during these trying times. The only thing that would make it better is a massive crowd, especially uh, during Chris Jericho's intro and all the other great pops that, you know, we're just missing. But to have any sort of tangible product with an audience back there cheering, like a true audience, not any canned heat or canned pops, haha. <laughs> but you're just wrong about that for those reasons. So AEW is far superior on the in-ring product, on the production side, and on the lack of cheesy scripts by an out-of-touch old man so 
I think that's all the time we're going to have this week for you on Canned Heat Podcast. This was episode one. I've had a blast with all of you, ladies and gentlemen. Remember, if you want to support us, you can find us on all social medias. You can find me on Instagram at Canned Heat Podcast. You can find me on Twitter at Canned Heat Pod. I'm on Spotify and Pocket Cast. Hit the subscribe or follow button, whatever's easiest for you. Hopefully, we'll be on Apple Podcasts soon. I'm shouting you guys out. Please put me on there. As always, you can check out my buddy Jeff Englert on the 100% Elite Podcast. He gives you all the weekly rundowns of all things AEW. Uh, You're still going to find me on there from time to time uh, when our schedules coincide, and it allows us to do that. I love what he's doing over there, so make sure you uh, check him out. If you want to check out the guy who made my intro, his name's Patrick Wright. He goes by Beats McGreevy in the professional world you can find him at patrick c Wright. that's right with a w on instagram you can check out all of his work there he's also the host of a great podcast called mfm block and as always give me a call 513-580-7273 i'm here to take your voicemails i'm here to take your opinions even if they're bad ones like ken kapisky there i don't know what the fuck that dude's problem was but uh call back maybe we can hash it out if you got other things to say uh if you want to just talk shit if you want to talk shop If you have any ideas for a future episode or whatever the case might be, if you just want to get some stuff off your chest, that's 513-580-7273. Check us out for episode two. I've got some more big things coming. Really appreciate your guys' time. Thank you and have a really, really, really great day. Great day.